Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. And if you're looking around and like you're new here and you're like, why is everyone so casual? It's normal, but it's a little bit like more than normal today because it's fan day. And so you guys are wearing all your good, your stuff. Looks good. Looks good. I'm, yeah, you give it up for those who wore. I got my uh, Falcons. We're still trying to win the Super Bowl from three years ago. Yep, 28 to three, third quarter. It was a small group for us. Anyway, right down here. I'm a little bit worried about this, this row, too, because we've got NFC South and NFC North here. North? North? Is that right? East. Why did I say North? Man, I should know these things. Anyway, uh, I'm really glad that you're here today. We are wrapping up our series. Um, we're talking about resetting in key areas of our lives, and um, we're talking about what it means over these past few weeks what it means to reset in terms of our relationships, in terms of our, our area of passion, in terms of um, our finances last week. And uh, today we're talking about what it means to reset in terms of our influence. And we're gonna be talking about this word influence today and what God's word has to say about it. And to get us started, I've asked Justin uh, Boyder and uh, Bruce Douglas, who is, Bruce is one of our volunteers. Justin is our <laughs> pastor of our Gen X. Come on up, give him. Give him a hand this morning. Justin is our next generation uh, pastor, and he is wearing a sweet, I'm guessing, 1980s. This is aimed right over here. <laughs> yes. Chiefs go Chiefs. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, man, that's awesome. That thing's got to be worth some money, man. I'm serious. That is really great. 95. 95? Yep. 95, really? 50-year wow. anniversary. 50, wow, man, I'm impressed. I'm impressed at the whole thing. So, anyway, I'm glad that you're, you guys are here. And, Bruce, thanks for joining us um, today. Why don't you give it up for Justin and Bruce this morning? I'm going to turn it over to Justin because uh, Bruce is one of our great volunteers, and I, I want him to ask Bruce some questions about this idea of influence. So you guys take it away. Yeah, so. thanks, Todd. I, uh, I'm actually really excited to get to be up here with Bruce because uh, I've been serving in either kind of the student pastor role or next-gen pastor role for almost two years now, which is crazy in and of yeah. itself. Yep. Um, but right away when I started here, Bruce and his wife Mary jumped in with me as volunteers <laughs> Um, and I just am thankful to get a chance to kind of publicly toot their horn a little bit because I'm so <laughs> thankful for them and just how faithful they've been to our students and, and such a help to me. And so it's, it's just really exciting for me to give you guys a chance to hear from Bruce a little bit. And so I just kind of wanted to ask Bruce up here and give him a chance to share with you guys. You know, why have you guys jumped in and serving, you know, not just with our students, but I think so many ways in our church you guys have been really involved in different ways. So what were kind of some of those factors that have led you guys to be such servants in so many different ways? Well, as I mentioned in the first service, the service to me, the example that has been set for me for over 40 years is my wife, Mary. She has mm -hmm. got a servant's heart. She is a prayer warrior, and uh, she has helped me see the value which there's great value in serving others. Hmm. That's awesome. I mean, really, it's, we've been involved with the youth uh, for many, many years and in Sunday school classes and things like that. But it's just you get so much more out of it than it seems like you put into it. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And uh, I shared with the first service, Bruce is retired. And uh, which I, he gets, I get this little like laugh or smile every time. I don't know. It's because it's happy. It's happy time. It's that's happy. A, okay. It's well, happy that's, that's a great way to put it. And uh, so I know that there's a lot of people that look at it like that. Um, but like I, I mentioned already, you guys have chosen to use 
a lot of that time and so many different ways to serve. And uh, we know there's not a shortage of uh, things on the island for folks to do when they're retired. Uh, you know, there's there's several golf courses around. I hear that you could spend some time on. So, Which and not I that you don't do that at all. Time but, on there. <laughs> but why why have you guys devoted so much of your time to getting involved? Well, it, I believe in God's word, and He says that uh, we all are a part of the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've got a I, I want to be the best part I can be. And He calls us to serve. And as I said, I've got a great example in my wife Mary and that I find it very rewarding. We get so much more out of it than they, when you talk about the youth than they get, I'm sure, because, I mean, it's just, it's powerful in the fact that the youth are the future of this church and his church and this country and the world. And so it's, it's very meaningful to me. That's right. You've mentioned a couple times how Mary's been an example to you. Just kind of curious, you know, as you were growing up and kind of in that stage of, you know, the middle school and high school students that you're investing in now, did you have someone kind of at those points that was investing in you? Or Actually, I didn't. And, you know, I envy people who did, and Mary did. And, uh, and since we've been married, she's been my example and helped me in my faith walk immensely mm -hmm. and has really helped me draw closer to God. But I wish I had had one of those, and that's why I think uh, it means a lot to me to do it. Mm. You know, to be, uh, hopefully be a mentor to some of these kids. That's great, man. I, I, w I wonder, Bruce, because I'm a little closer to your age than Justin is, um, and, uh, and the students you serve are. Um, and, and I know that for me, every, every year I get older and the gap grows. I wonder how um, someone like me can connect. H how have you found a way to connect with the next generation, being that you're in a whole different stage of life? Well, if you talk to Mary, I'm a kid at heart. I still play <laughs> softball and things like that. But uh, as try to get, as she, as she has shown me, is to mm. get down on their level, you know, mm. kind of meet them That's where they are, and then try to bring them up to where they need to be as, to, as the Word of God tells us to do. And sometimes those results aren't immediately obvious no no matter of fact you know you sit there and you're talking to kids and you think okay this is that was great stuff and it's like nothing you get no reaction whatsoever but then months later mm. and you know i thought you didn't reach them and they'll come back and they'll say mm. well you remember when yeah. you said this and it's like oh wow that's great yeah that's god actually it's the lasting lasting impact and and lasting influence that you have and Man, Justin, Bruce, I'm so thankful for, for guys like you, and Bruce, especially you, who are a volunteer, give your time, even in retirement. And um, man, thank you so much for all that you and Mary and all of you who serve in our kids uh, and next generation ministry. You guys are awesome. It's had a huge impact. So why don't you give it up for Bruce and Justin one more time. Thank you guys so much. I think about um, my kids, because it's guys like Bruce, and like my friend Jim Daniel, and like Rob Minton, who was in the first service, even though Jim has a Carolina Panthers jersey on today. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not sitting right here. So anyway, um, but it's guys, it's people like that who have made an, an, a spiritual influence in my kids' lives. I mean, I, Sean today is a Christ follower, largely um, due to people like Jim and Rob and Bruce and Mary and many of you others who have, who have come before them 
and have been intentional and purposeful about who's coming after them. You know, today we will watch, a lot of you will watch uh, this game that's on tonight. It's the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's kind of like a national holiday in, in the U.S. right now, and there's a whole host of things that go along with that that may be somewhat negative or maybe are negative, but um, it really is true that we devote a whole day to this, right? We watch it and we, we get into it, and even people that haven't watched a football game in years or watch it. Some of you will watch it for the commercials. I get that. That's cool. That's fine. Um, we've got some people in our house like that, don't we, Sean? So anyway, they'll watch it for the commercials. Um, I, I remember my first Super Bowl I watched. It was, I believe it was 81. It was the Eagles and the Raiders. And uh, that was the first football game that I can ever remember watching. And I was, I guess I was about six or seven years old. And I remember um, my parents signed me up for the NFL Kids Club, <laughs> which back in that day had nothing to do with anything online. You would get once a quarter, you'd get a package in the mail and it had stickers in it and it had a booklet in it and it had player cards in it. And I, that was the thing I waited for the most. I loved football, loved the NFL. Um, I, I grew up in, in partly in, in the Tampa area, and so I was a Tampa Bay fan for a while and then moved to Atlanta, so I just followed loser teams. Anyway, uh, so anyway, losing, sorry, losing teams, not loser teams. That was a Freudian slip. Um, but I also remember the San Francisco 49ers of, um, of the 80s. And, you know, in 1979, the 49ers were a terrible team. They were awful. They really were. They were terrible. Um, they were one of the worst teams of, the, of the, the 70s, 60s and 70s. They really weren't that great. And then all of a sudden, there was a man who came to run the show. And some of you know his name. Some of you will know his name. Some of you, if you're my age or younger, probably have never heard of him. But his name was Bill Walsh. How many of you remember Bill Walsh? You guys remember Bill Walsh? Now, Bill Walsh, he passed away in 2007. I think we got a picture of him. Maybe that was, I think it might have been the first Super Bowl he won. He went on to win three with San Francisco. They went on to win five in 14 years. This guy was a genius. He invented the West Coast offense. And if any of you know about the West Coast offense, you might see a little bit of it today. It's the short passing game so that you can get the run going and have these big, then long field passes downfield. And it really began, it began years before this um, in Cincinnati. Where, where they had a quarterback that was struggling, and this allowed him to get some yards. And, man, I know way too much about this. But anyway, so, uh, but Bill Walsh was just a genius. He was so well-respected. But if I'm really honest with you, if I really want to tell the real story about Bill Walsh, is he wasn't known, he wasn't necessarily known um, because of his mind in regards to football. He wasn't known because, and he, and he was, he was good at that. He wasn't known because of his strategy and how intentional he was about offenses. He was known and regarded because of how much he invested in those who were coming behind him. And for generations, we've seen the impact in the NFL, the, the impact that he's had on the NFL. He's got, um, he's got son coaches, not biological, but guys who he poured himself into who went on to do great things uh, directly, direct descendants like Mike Holgram and Denny Green, Dennis Green, Jim Fassel, Sam Weish. Then he's also got grandsons. See, those guys learned from Bill Walsh and they passed his philosophy the way that he did it, how much, he, how, how much time that he invested into them and the players. They passed that kind of philosophy down 
two other coaches, and they've become successful. Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, Tony Dungy, one of my favorite, still is commentating. Um, Mike Tomlin, if any of you are Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I see some Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there. All right, the Callahans, all right. So anyway, uh, and then uh, some of today's coaches, Mike Tomlin being one of them, Mike Smith, Doug Peterson, the uh, uh, Eagles from uh, their win just a few years ago, and this guy by the name of Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a, probably one of the most pure descendants of Bill Walsh because he believes in, in multiplying himself in his coaches and in his players. He's done an amazing job, and he's going to be known and is today, the oldest coach in the NFL, is known for reproducing players and reproducing coaches. And I got thinking about this in relation to us as, as Christ followers. And I don't know about you, but, but I want to be known when I come to the end of my life, I want to be known as someone who's like Bill Walsh. I want to be known as someone who's like Andy Reid. And yes, I, I'm cheering for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs today, all right? Because I love, all right, yeah, the Jacksons. Go ahead, you guys can give it up. It's okay, all right? How many of you are for the Chiefs today, all right? Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> Watch this. How many of you are 49ers? <laughs> There's a very small group for you, Justin. Okay, so anyway. But they, man, these guys, have, these guys have poured in and developed other people. And they understand the power of influence. And church, if we're going to be people who are serious about our faith, serious and intentional and purposeful about what we're doing in the body of Christ, as Bruce so eloquently mentioned, um, we're going to be people who take seriously our job of passing on to those who are coming behind us what God has done in our lives. You know, Bill Walsh is known for having an influence tree that still exists in the NFL today. Actually, both coaches are part of his descendants in the NFL, those two coaches today. Kyle Shanahan, whose dad, literal biological dad, is Mike Shanahan, and of course, Andy Reid, who coaches for uh, the Chiefs. And so I got thinking about this like, do I have an influence tree? Do you have an influence tree when it comes to spiritual things? Do you and I produce people who are following us, who are imitating us, not because we're so great, not because we're all that, but because we've followed and we've imitated Jesus? Like, who are we producing? What kind of people are coming behind us? We often think of influence, and the word that comes to my mind is, is this word leverage. And I'm going to use it today because I think it's a powerful word for us to understand our job as Christ followers. And I realize that for, for a lot of you, when I mention the word leverage, when it comes to people, you think of someone who is manipulative. And I get that. I understand that. But I'm going to ask you maybe to reset your thought about this word leverage because if you and I are leveraging people who are coming behind us, for the good. And if we are leveraging people and pointing them to Christ in our leverage, if we are leveraging them for the kingdom of God, then that's something that's to be attained. It's something to be modeled. It's something for us to grab onto, to figure out 
to know how to do and to pour ourselves in, not just to the next generation, but to the people who are around us. And today I wanna to talk about how we can leverage ourselves in three areas. Now I wanna give a definition, you're gonna see it on the screen here this morning. The definition of leverage is, as I'm defining it today is the power or the ability to act or to influence people, events, decisions, or to sway for Christ. That's how I wanna use that today. And I think there's three ways that we can leverage what God has given us for his kingdom and for their good. The first one is this, we leverage our resources. Now I talked about money and finances last week. I'm not gonna talk about that today. Some of you are like, thank you, Todd. All right, so I'm gonna talk about what it means to leverage some of the other, even as powerful and in some ways even more powerful resources that he has given us because he has given all of you the ability certain abilities and certain talents and certain spiritual gifts and certain experiences that he, as a Christ follower, that he expects for you to leverage, to pour into someone else. How many of you had someone in your life who influenced you spiritually? I want you to raise your hand. Someone who went before you, keep your hands up for a moment. I want you to look around. I want you to look around. See, this place is filled, you can put your hands down, this place is filled with Christ followers who didn't have to go at it alone, who didn't have to try to figure it out by themselves. And Bruce, even in your case, yes, you had Mary, God brought you um, to your wife who influenced you, and, and we all have someone who influences us spiritually. They use their spiritual gifts, their hearts, their abilities, their talents, and their experience for him. If you're here and you're a Christ follower and you've never really discovered that, you've never really tried to figure out what your spiritual gifts are, what talents you have that you can use for him, I wanna challenge you to do that. I wanna challenge you to find a way to do that. And online, um, from the beginning of our church, we've had this resource online. We just made it digital. It used to be something that you would download and, and you would actually do it on, with pen and paper. I know, a very interesting concept to, to come to realization of, but now we've made it digital. And so I wanna encourage you today, if you've not found your shape, I want to encourage you to go online and find it. And today we're going to be handing out these serve cards and it has this link on it where you can go to hiltonheadislandcc.org slash shape to take your assessment. I took it this week, the digital um, a copy of it. And it took me about 20 minutes to do the spiritual gifts part. And then it took me about another 15 or 20 minutes to do the rest of it. And what you're going to find, that shape is an acronym. It stands for spiritual gifts, hearts, abilities, personality, and experience. And see, each of you are shaped to influence someone else or to influence someone's else. You're shaped to pass it on. What are you doing with your time? Are you giving your time? Are you giving your talents? Are you giving those things that you are skilled at, that God has given you that's, that's a talent? Are you using it for someone else or using it for yourself? By the way, um, this serve card has a couple other links. It's a place because some of you already know what your shape is. You've already maybe taken the test, maybe taken it at another church or you've just figured it out over the years. You can go to hiltonheadislandcc.org. Again, this is on here, um, uh, serve, and you can find out um, where you can get involved based on your interest and your talent and how God has gifted you. 
we're also going to influence the world. It's not just here inside the walls of the church and in our community, but it's around the world. We've got two mission trips coming up. Um, the, the one is this summer. It's uh, June, I believe. Uh, it's the first or second week of June. Um, we're going to Belize, and then we're going to be going our first missions trip to visit the people that we have in Kenya, in Nairobi, in Africa. We're doing it this year in October. I'm so excited about that. I'm excited about both of these trips. And so if God is calling you to do something not just here, but also over there, I want to encourage you to pick one of these up and find out more information about these trips where you can serve people, not just here in our community, not just in this region, but in the world. We all have talents. We all have time. We all have experience and a heart that we need to be using to serve inside these four walls, like Bruce just demonstrated and Mary does, and many of you do, but also to serve the world outside of these walls, to help other people, to shape other people. The writer of Proverbs says it this way, and Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You see, we can have uh, an influence so much so that we shape people in their life and in their spiritual life. Jesus taught us to be salt and light in Matthew 5, 13, in the first part of that. And I'm not going to go into detail because I preached a message on it back in, in um, December. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. In verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. You see, we're to be salt and light, and salt and light both share a common um, property, and that is, is that they change the environments they're in. They change the environments they're in. They have an effect. They have an impact. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And as Christ followers, we're challenged to leverage our resources to point people to God. This is not just, by the way, about the next generation. For you, this may be leveraging your resources in your business, in your business world. It may be leveraging your, your resources where you work and where you spend most of your time. Students, for you, it may be leveraging your resources to influence other students for good and not evil, for God and not you. You see, the natural course of our lives, our natural sinful nature, we want to take what God has given us, and, and our natural desire, it's okay, we all have it, is to leverage that for our good, to increase our nest egg, to maybe gain a little bit more for us and our family. Man, so many of you are retired. You have tons, tons of time. And I don't judge or look down or anything, but, but man, so many people who are in here and in, this, in the sound of my voice, they don't have the gift of time like you have. And Bruce, I loved what you said about using your time to serve him. Oh, and yeah, you do play softball and play golf. I even played with you once. We, we, we had a good time. It wasn't pretty, but we had a good time <laughs> on my part, by the way, too. All right, so... And so the question I want you to ask is, is, am I leveraging my resources for me, for others, for good, or for God? I think there's a progression there, and it kind of maybe goes uh, like a long, it kind of parallels our spiritual growth. Like we do things for us, and then we kind of learn that's not the best thing to do. So maybe we do things for others, and then we really get the greater good in what we're doing, and we understand that we do it for the good. But the 
pinnacle of understanding this is to do it for God, to do it for, for his kingdom's sake, to influence those who are coming behind you for him so we can leverage our resources. Secondly, we can leverage our words. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have, have had someone say something to you? Maybe it was a sentence, maybe it was a word, or maybe it was a conversation, I don't want you to miss this, that changed the course of your life. And our words are so powerful, aren't they? Our words are so powerful. And we live in a day in a culture where kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of trained to use our words to protect ourselves, to defend ourselves, to stand up for ourselves. And God's word to us tells us that we need to use our words to build who up? To build others up. To not use it for us, but to use it for him, there's power in word. Proverbs 15:1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You'll see it on the screen in Proverbs 15:1. A, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I can't tell you how many times in my life I got that mixed up. A harsh word came at me and I thought, oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna one up them. I'm gonna go above them. I'm gonna get louder. I'm gonna get stronger. I'm gonna get lower. I'm gonna get meaner. Proverbs says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And just so you don't think it's just an Old Testament thing, the Apostle Paul in Colossians and Ephesians speaks to this. He says, and whatever you do, he says this in word or deed, we're gonna talk about the deed in a moment, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In Ephesians 4.15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Listen, I, I wanna be real about this for a moment. That every word that we speak in terms of having influence with those around us doesn't have to just be honey. There are times that it needs to be corrective and it needs to be truthful. But if God has called us to speak that word or those words to help build up, then we need to make sure that it's covered and it's sprinkled with honey. That there's a love aspect, that we do it for the right reason and in the right way. And in that moment that we're led by God, Ephesians 4.29, same author Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for, what are those next two words for what? For building up, for building up for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear us. See, as Christ followers, we're challenged to leverage our words to benefit others and build up others in their faith journey. 
And so we leverage our resources, those things that God's given us. We leverage how we, how, the words that we use, the conversations that we have, because in a moment, in a moment, peop, the course of people's life can change. I remember when I was called to the ministry, and I've shared this story in, in short before. When I was called in the ministry, I was about a junior, sophomore and junior uh, in high school, and God began to do a work in my life. And I remember the contrast of two different people in my life. One, I came and told them about my calling, and they, and they, they poured on encouragement. They were truthful in helping me have a path to, to achieve that, to, to realize that, that God-given vision for my life. And then I had someone else who said, you're crazy, you're nuts. Are you kidding me? And unfortunately, I allowed that word to change the course of my life for 10 years. 10 years I ran from God. I ran from God because of that. Speak the truth in love. Build others up. As Christ followers, we're challenged to leverage our words, to benefit others, and to build others up in their faith journey. And lastly, we leverage our example. We leverage our example. Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12 says, let no one despise you. I want you to hear this. If you're a student in here, I want you to hear this because you don't picture yourself as someone like Justin or Bruce because you think of yourself as young. But everyone at every stage in their life has the power to influence someone coming behind them. And Paul's instruction to Timothy is let no one despise you. By the way, Timothy was young. No one despise you for your youth, but set the believers, what? An example, an example in speech and conduct and love in faith and in purity. The book of Titus says, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. Jesus himself said that he was the example, that he set the example. He says in John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. See, Jesus set that example like Bill Walsh did, an example of what it meant to be a coach that influenced others, that was less concerned about his own success and more concerned about his legacy and who he would produce. And lastly, the Apostle Paul says this, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul's essentially saying here, look, I am following in the way of the Savior, and I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to follow that way and to look for examples of people who are following in that way. If there's no other reason for us to pursue righteousness, we ought to pursue it because they are watching. They're watching. Those who are coming behind us are watching. The world is watching. Those younger than us are watching. Those less mature in their faith are watching. And the whole of the gospel message is, is that our lives are to be an example. I say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. But in the Christian world, it's the greatest form of becoming like Christ is to follow someone who's going out in front of you. The English preacher, pastor, Charles Spurgeon said this, 
He said, a man's life is always more forcible than his speech. He's not saying words are unimportant. We already talked about that. He said, when men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. I love that. I love that. If his life and doctrine, that's what he believes about God, disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. Trust me, every week that I give a message, God puts me through a process of making sure that I'm teaching and preaching something that I'm living. And I can't always say that those things are in alignment. It's tough. It's tough. I have a family who reminds me of it often <laughs> because people are watching. We need to be consistent with what we're saying. See, as Christ followers, we're challenged to leverage our example, to point those who are watching, following, and modeling. Our job is to point them in our behavior, in how we act to Jesus. Is how I live, is how you live consistent with what God loves, his values, and his commandment, commandments? Those are the things that we need to find alignment in. Those are the ways that we need to model. I remember when, before our kids were born, before Sydney was born um, and Sean was born, we used to pray a prayer about them very specifically. And the prayer that we prayed, pray the prayer, God, please put people and things in their life that would point them to you, that would point them to you. And I'm so thankful that there are many of you in this church who have been part of an answer to that prayer that we prayed years ago. I'm so thankful that you decided to leverage your resources, your words, and your example for my kids and for those who are coming behind you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's a poem that um, is unattributed to any author, but I loved it. It's just a great way to summarize this. It says this, My life shall touch a dozen lives before this day is done. Leave countless marks for good or ill, ere sets the evening sun. This is the wish I always wish, the prayer I will always pray. Lord, help my life, help others live. It touches by the way. I love that. I love that. And if we are going to be people who are true Christ followers, if we're going to be true in our faith walk, we are going to be people who reset not just our relationships, not just our passion, not just our finances and, and what God's called us to do, but we are going to be people who take a look at our influence and reset it. We reset our influence when we give thought and we give purpose and we give attention to how we leverage what God has given us. Today, here at one o'clock, we've got a group of people who are going to be helping teach people how to speak English who may have moved here and never learned that. It's our first week starting over in the community center. I'm so excited. We've got a group of people that are using what God has given them, the skills that God has given them for the good. So many of you are using what God has given you for the good. And your people who, when your life is done, if you're committed to it throughout your life, will be known as being people who are just like Bill Walsh, who decades later were seeing the great influence in the NFL 
Don't you want to be a Christ follower who has great influence in our world? Realize the power of influence and be willing to reset how you might be influencing this world. It's a challenge for all of us. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us take up that challenge. God, that you would help guide our minds and our hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to take seriously, to be intentional and to be purposeful about how we are influencing those who are coming behind us. It's not only about the next generation. It's not only about those who are younger than us. But it's about the influence we have in the places where you have set us and in the places you've told us to go, in the environments that we find ourselves currently in. Father, may we be people who hear from you. It's time to reset the influence we have. Maybe today you've been using all of those things, the words, the resources, the example. Maybe you've really not filtered that through being intentional and purposeful for his kingdom, for his sake. Maybe you've been using it for your sake, for your gain, for your own reputation, for your own desires and wants. And maybe for you that needs to be reset. It's time, it's time to influence someone else for the good. And it's time to influence someone else for God and his kingdom. God, I pray that you would raise up dozens and dozens and dozens of people who take this seriously, who are serious about what it means to take what you've given them and use it for your good. The words that we speak, the way that we live our lives, God, may we use it for you and for your glory and for others' good as we reset our influence. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name.